Father, we do lift up the Mexico ministry. Thank you, God, for that ministry that we have. And I pray that you would be preparing uh, uh, the group that's leaving. I pray you'd prepare them physically, but more than that, Lord, spiritually. Get their hearts in the right place, and we do pray for safe travel. We pray for a good crossing across the border that you would be with them. Bless them, Lord. And, and I just pray that you prepare the hearts in Keno Bay. Lord, that they would be ready and receptive uh, for you, God, to invade that, that small town and that great things would happen. So have your hand upon that, that trip and have your hand upon those people. And Lord, as we do get into your word, I do pray that you would, you would just move mightily. God, we read and think about things, but Lord, I pray that this would be just a, a, a a direct change in our hearts today. That, Lord, you would work in us and move us, and, Lord, that we would become that light in this world, God, that you desire for us to be. Bless this time, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, John is still on the topic of loving God, loving one another, and walking by faith. And as he develops it now, I think it's going to get more and more challenging. I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm challenged by especially the passages that kind of talk about loving people and being compassionate and et cetera. I'm not the most compassionate guy there is. And so those, those things kind of work in my heart. And I know when I first got saved, I wouldn't even hardly read any passages that dealt with peacemakers because I thought that was called compromise. And so I'm like, oh, I'm not reading that. And then as I grew, now I'm trying to deal with the love passages. And how do, I, how do I make that real in my life? But John, if you've noticed in this letter, it's pretty important to him. It's pretty important to him how we live in this world. I read an article this week that, well, it was two articles, and it really kind of bummed me. And I'm not going to get into the details and stuff, but it was about a church and his church had taken a certain stand in the pandemic times. But I was, it was interesting to me how it affected the community. Because the community, here's what they said. The church is growing and they need a new facility. And I'm really glad they're leaving our community. And then they said, but I feel sorry for the community they're going to. We should not have that testimony. Hey, we need to not compromise. I get that. But our testimony to the world should be shining the brightness and the glory of God and the love of God. That's what John is going to call us to. So reading that article and then reading this, I got really convicted about my own actions, my own heart. And that's what this is about. It's not just about, listen, it's not just about to study the book of 1 John to kind of get some theology, kind of get an outline and et cetera and go. But it's so that we will live differently in the world that God put us in. And so John is gonna call us, I think, to a whole higher degree than a lot of us wanna go, if we're really honest, and, and maybe we don't wanna admit it, but man, he's gonna push us in that area. So he begins here in verse 13 by this. He says, by this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. Something to understand, John wrote this letter, we're gonna read about it in chapter five. John wrote this letter so that we could know 
that we're believers. I'm paraphrasing. He wrote this so we could have assurance of our salvation. Now, I, I'm a person, listen, I believe in the security of the believer. But I believe you can lose your assurance. If you're not staying close to the Lord, that assurance can go away. And this is what John is saying. We can know, listen, we can know we're okay and we can know that we're abiding in him and he's abiding us. He says, by the spirit he has given us. Now he's already explained to us Part of that work of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and part of the evidence of the Spirit indwelling in us is love, and we need to understand that. Listen, I, I, I understand the whole Pentecostal, charismatic thing. Some of, them, some of them are very dogmatic on evidence is speaking in tongues. The Bible is saying evidence of the Spirit is love. And not that, listen, not the emotional, gooey kind of love that is for tomorrow, guys. <laughs> Write that down, just so you understand, right? Don't want you to get in trouble, so make a note. But not, listen, not that, not the romantic thing or, or, or any of that. Biblical love is caring and being concerned about others. And so John is saying, listen, we can know that God abides in us and we abide in him. And you know, abiding is more than just knowing about God, more than just attending a church or going to prayer meetings or reading your book. It's having that relationship, abiding that closeness. We can know that he abides in us and we abide in him. Why? Because he's given us his spirit. His spirit is the evidence in our life. We are supposed to be changed when we're born again. I remember when I got saved, I had, I had a good friend. And uh, actually, we were kind of partners in the area where uh, I did pottery, he did woodworking, and, and we kind of built our shops together, our studios and stuff. But anyway, I got saved, and it was probably a year after I got saved, he says, man, he goes, I have seen a difference in you. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, you're, you're a little more mellow. You're kinder. And then he said this, and you're not so stingy. <laughs> I guess I was not a good guy. But isn't that supposed to happen? We're supposed to be a witness to this world. We're not supposed to be antagonistic toward the world. We're not supposed to be combative. We're to be a witness. And so... Listen, you can know how, because the Spirit is in you and the Spirit is working in you. And then he says this, listen, he goes on, kind of developing that whole thought, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Not only do we understand the Spirit's in us, according to when I read the Bible, you can't say Jesus is Lord unless the Spirit is in you. And here he's saying, listen, we, we can see and testify what? That the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Remember, John's kind of combating against some people who, in that day, the beginning of the Gnostic movement, and they were having a hard time, and the Gnostics were coming in, and they were challenging the idea that God sent his Son. And their big thing was, there's no way God would become human because material is evil, spirit is good. So they were saying the person Jesus 
was not really a person. He was kind of a, I, I guess, maybe a hologram walking around or something. But they had this whole different thing going on. He was combating that. In our day, we have to combat the idea that Jesus is God. We're kind of combating it from the other direction. And listen, the cults, they have a different Jesus than we have. And we need to understand that. And we need to be people. We're going to be people who witness and testify that the Father sent his Son to be Savior of the world. I talk to some people, they talk about the Savior, they're talking about a whole different Savior than what John is saying. And here's an interesting thing. John doesn't use the word Savior except one time in this letter. And in the book of John, he only uses it one time in chapter four. So check that out. Chapter four is always a great chapter to read. But listen, check that out. That's the only time John says that. So listen, he's saying something very significant. The father sent his son to be savior of the world. Oh, then he goes a little bit further and he says, whoever confesses in verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. You know what I'm gathering from these three verses? There's no way I can claim to be born again unless I accept the fact of the deity and the work of Jesus Christ. I can't have the father and if I don't have the father, I don't have the son. And if I don't have the son, I'm not saved. And again, I've shared as we've been going through this book, you pick on my Jesus, I get uptight. Because I need Jesus. I know I'm not going to heaven without him. I know that my salvation depends on what the Bible and who the Bible tells me he is. And I trust that, but greater than that, I depend on that. Maybe some of you are pretty good people. Maybe you're really good people, and you're going to go to heaven on your own. That's sarcasm. <laughs> I need Jesus. So here's what he's saying. He says, listen, not only do we say that the Father sent the Son, we confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And when we walk in that and believe that and live in that, here's what he's saying. Then God abides in us, and we abide in him. He's back to that, that whole idea of of closeness, relationship, fellowship with God. So you can't have fellowship with the Father without the Son. It's impossible. And vice versa, you can't have fellowship with the Son without the Father. So John is like letting us know this is instrumental to being a believer. And then verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Just camp there for a minute. Do you know that the love that God has for you? Do you know the depth and the breadth of the love that he has for you? God's love is never going away. Do you know that the moment you believe God loves you as much as he's ever gonna love you? You can't earn more love, you can't get more love. The Beatles song, All We Need Is Love, is true. They were talking about a different kind of love but do you understand? I believe, listen, I believe when we get a hold of the truth and the reality of the love of God for us, 
That changes how we look at people. That changes how we look at one another. That changes how we interact. Because we understand, listen, I don't have to earn God's love. His love's unconditional. And he loves me, listen, he loves me very genuinely, very real. And John tells us, listen, when we know that, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. And then he says this statement again, God is love. Either that's true or not. And then, listen, this is the second time he brought it up. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Oh, now we go a little bit further because you know what? If you're not a person who you're not very loving, you need to examine yourself and begin to understand if God is love and you're not loving, maybe your relationship with God isn't what you think your relationship with God is. Do a little bit of examining. Again, I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to judge you. I I think I'm a firm believer in it's okay to examine ourselves and see if we'd be found in the faith. I think that's biblical. And we need to do this. So John is saying, think about this. Are you somebody now? I don't think there's anybody who's doing it 24-7. I would love to tell you I am the most loving individual there is right now. But too many people in here know me. (laughs) I would love to be that person. I want to be that person. I want to grow up. I want to grow up in Jesus. And I want to be that person. So we need, to, we need to be people who, I think we need to have some goals. And listen, I want the world, I want the world to look at me and look at our fellowship as a safe place to go. I want the world to be able to understand that we love God. And because we love God, we love people. And it comes out of that. That's what John is saying. So are we abiding in love or not? It's a question that we all have to answer, something we have to figure out. Now, the challenge gets a little bit deeper. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because, he is, because as he is, so are we in this world. Oh, that gets kind of, doesn't that get a little intense? First of all, here's what he says. Love has been perfected among us. Now, I don't think he's talking about perfection, perfection. I think he's talking about completion. Because we're born again, because we are collectively the body of Christ, love is completed in us. And then here's my question. Is it? If the world looked at us, is it? If they judged Calvary Chapel, Sierra Vista, would they have a greater desire to know God or would they push, be pushed away from God a little bit? And it's something we have, to, we have to look in ourselves and we have to answer. And all of us are responsible. I know some people say, well, you know, Pat, if you'd do a better job, maybe they'd love us more. And, and I, you know, I get how we wanna always push something away. But here's what he's saying. He's saying point blank. He's saying, listen, it's been perfected among us in this that we have boldness in the day of judgment. Are you concerned about when Jesus comes? Are you, and not, not so much, you know, hopefully you're anticipating it, not hoping it's not gonna happen, right? It should be a time that we're going, yes. And you have boldness. Why can we have boldness in the day of judgment? Because my sin's already been judged. I'm not gonna be judged for my sin. 
And I have boldness in that day. I, I don't have to be afraid of that day. I don't have to have fear of that day because Jesus has taken my sin. That's a promise he's given me. And I can now not be afraid of coming before the judge of the heaven and earth. And he says, so we have boldness in the day of judgment. And then he says this, because as he is, so are we in this world. Listen to what John thinks the church should be. As Jesus is in heaven, so in the world, we should reflect him to the world. We should be like he is as we're walking here. That's a pretty tall order, right? Some of you are going, dude, we can't be perfect. I don't think he's talking about that. I think he's talking about giving a good representative representation of God to our world. Who is going to, listen, who's gonna, who's gonna show the world God if it's not us? The world's sure not gonna do it. So we need to understand that. And listen, I know we can take up causes and we can have fights and we can have, you know, I'm standing and, and you know, we live in it. We live, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, we all live in this world of entitlement. And it's affected all of us. Listen, I would love to say it's not affected me. Sure, it's affected me. And we're all living that way. And then we all get, and we get like, I'm an American. I have, watch out. My Bible says we're citizens of heaven. Aliens in this world. Oh, Pat, don't start. (laughs) We got to be witnesses, right? So listen, I'm I'm not saying we shouldn't have opinions or ideas, just don't be a jerk. You can have those, just, the problem with the world today, at least America, is nobody's having conversations anymore. All we wanna do is fight. And the sad thing is the church is jumping in on that. Have conversations, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with sitting down with somebody, having a conversation. I'm not telling you to compromise, I'm telling you to have a conversation. You don't have to change, but have a conversation. Don't be a jerk for Jesus. It's not a spiritual gift. It's not something he wants. So let's listen. Let's think about what John, oh, the challenge gets, it gets harder. I kind of, you know, part of this, listen, part of this bugs me because I have to teach this three times so it gets deeper in me, and I have to study it all week. You guys get like 45 minutes, and you go. I do it over and over and over, and I get study it over, and I'm like, man, I get so hammered in my heart, I think, wow, I know God's gotta love me because I am horrible, right, as I look at this. So listen, listen a little bit more. You guys can all stay for the next service too if you want. <laughs> inviting you. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Huh, we, didn't we sing about that? I have no fear. Wasn't there a song? You guys singing it? Why don't we have fear? My Bible says we don't have fear because of love. There's no fear in love. And we need to understand what is he talking about? He's talking about the love relationship we have with God and the love relationship we have with one another. Fear is gone. He says, listen, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Wow, you know, verse 18 is one of those verses you wish you had a black highlighter for. 
But you read that and you go, man, I know, I know what goes on in my heart. And John is challenging us, I think, I think down to the core of, of our relationship. And he's like pushing us in that area. And he's saying, hey, here's what happens. And he says, he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Something I found when I'm not doing anything wrong, I don't have to be afraid. And when I'm close with Jesus, what do I really have to be afraid? What's the worst that somebody can do to you? Kill you. And you go to heaven, huh? I remember years ago hearing a story of a lady who was at uh, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and she left the Bible study and went to a supermarket, and, and she was just really depressed. Something going on in her life, I don't remember. And a guy went to rob her. And he came in and he put a gun in the window of her car. And she goes, just pull the trigger. <laughs> just do it. She goes, I'll go to heaven. Just do me a favor. And the guy just walked off. <laughs> what do we have to fear? We don't. If we're abiding in him. If we're not abiding in him, all kinds of things can grip us and, and cause sleepless nights and cause anxiety and, and, you know, just heartburn and stuff going on. And he says, listen, we don't fear. And then check this out. Because we love, or we love him, verse 19, because he first loved us. Oh. Do you know that God loved you? before you loved him? Do you understand? And here's one theology that bugs me is people say, well, God looks ahead and knows you're gonna love him, therefore he loves you. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says he loved me while I was still an enemy. My Bible says he loved me when I was pushing him away and rejecting him. Do you remember those times? Do you remember you doing that? And just thinking back on some of those times, you begin to understand God really did love me first. Right when I got saved, right before I got saved, there was a group of people, it was, it was kind of an odd time. There was a group of people in Bisbee that were, we all kind of hung out together and a bunch of them started getting saved, genuinely saved. And it was started upsetting some of us. It's like, what is going on here? Like something is terribly wrong. And we're starting to evaluate things and look at things. And I mean, these people are like really saved. And we're going, this is, and this is terrible, your pastor. We're going, this is not good. And then I was having a conversation of that same guy who told me how I changed. We're having a conversation. I was remodeling the house. We're putting a stairway in. And we're sitting on the stairs and we're talking and we're going, what on earth? We're, we're like freaking out. What is going on? This is crazy. People are getting saved. And, and. And we're saying, well, but they are talking about Jesus and they're having this relationship. And I remember, here's what I said. I said, you know what? For me to change like they changed, Jesus is gonna have to come and sit down right here and talk to me. I would like to tell you he did. <laughs> but here's what I think happened. I think God said, I'll show you. <laughs> Do you remember when the Lord started drawing you about how everything in your head started getting mixed up and he started challenging thoughts, challenging 
direction. I, I just remember I would make pots and have a conversation with the Lord. I was alone. Gaynell was working someplace else. I was alone in my studio. I'm making pottery, and I'm just like convincing myself how much I don't need God. Now, why am I even talking about that? Well, because why? He first loved me, and he's drawing me and drawing me, and I eventually got saved. Listen, he first loved us, and here's the thing. Once that gets deep in your heart, you're free. You're free to love him. You're free from fear. You're free from anxiety. You're free from those things. Why? You understand that God loves you. And nothing is going to change that. Nothing is going to make that different. Oh, and then, listen, now he goes on a little further, and he says, if someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. Ooh, that hurts bad, doesn't it? Are you really angry with anybody in here this morning? Don't raise your hands. Man, we got to watch it, saints. Listen, and especially if we have a disagreement, get it fixed. Figure it out. Get it fixed. But especially if you say, the thing that disturbs me the most is when people try and tell me, well, you know, I do church my way. I know there's an organized, but I go up and I sit under a tree and I worship God the way I want to worship. And generally when people are saying that they're, they're worshiping a God they created in their own image, they're not worshiping, I know they're not worshiping the God of the Bible, why? Because he tells us to gather together and be together. And if you say you hate your brother, you're a liar. Now think about, think about what that witnesses to the community around us. Are we being loving when we do that? Absolutely not. And he goes, so he's a liar. And then he says this, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Hey, if you can't love someone that you're face to face with, how on earth can you see, love someone you've never seen? Now we're in the issue of faith. Here's what blows my mind is John goes from, like, he's talking about love, and we almost get our heads wrapped around that. Then he starts talking about the relationship, and he brings in the whole Trinity thing and brings in that whole thing, and we're trying to get our heads around that. And then now he's bringing in, listen, now he's bringing in this whole idea of, hey, you have to have faith. I've not seen God. He's not appeared to me. But I love him. And I wish I could say, and I love everybody that I see the way I love him. I'm working on it. But that's what we're supposed to be doing. Why? Because we will be a witness to the world. Again, we need to understand something. The world is watching us. Do you ever do something that you wish you could undo in the world, in front of the world? You just go, oh, why did I do that? One time when I was coming back into the United States from Mexico, when I used to do a lot of missionary work in Mexico, it's funny, praying for the group to go and a good border crossing and stuff, I, I get that. Whenever I would go into Mexico, no problems. Coming into America, major problems. And I don't know, I used to say, well, maybe God's telling me to stay in Mexico. But I would, come, I would come across, and one time we're coming across, and it's just me and another guy. We'd been up in the mountains. So I get it. We'd been up in the mountains with the Indians. We're driving kind of a grody, heavy-duty truck, and we're kind of grody. So I get it. We didn't look like the best characters in the world, but we got out of the truck, and he asked me if I had $10,000. I've never been asked that. 
And so me, because I would never be sarcastic to anybody, <laughs> I mentioned that I don't even have that much in the bank. And he goes, give me your driver's license. So I gave him my driver's license. The guy I'm with, give me your driver's license. That's all you needed at the time to go to Mexico. Give me your driver's license. He gave me, he goes, follow me. We're following him. And he goes, step in here. And we stepped in and he shut the door. I looked around. I said, we're in jail. <laughs> and my friend said, how do you know? I recognize the surroundings. <laughs> I said, the bench is built in. There's no sharp edges, no sharp objects. We're in jail. And he goes, you think? I go, open the door. And the door was locked. And he goes, we're in jail. I said, that's what I told you. So then there's an alarm, there's a, a, a switch that said alarm. Now we're in the middle of the port of entry in Douglas. We're in the middle of it, not off to the side, not in the building. We're in the middle of all the lanes. And this thing said alarm. Jim? And it's going, whoa, 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 all through that area. And eight agents come and open the door. And they go, what do you guys want? And I go, you can't, arrest, you can't put us in jail. And they go, yes, we can. And I go, no, you can't. I'm a citizen. You can't do that. I know my rights. And then one guy says, you're not in America. I go, well, if I'm not in America, you don't have any authority, so then I'm going to walk by you, okay? And he goes, well, you are in America. I go, if I'm in America, and I had this big argument, then you know what I wished? I wished I would have zipped it. Because <laughs> when I got done, I couldn't say, let me talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> do you hear what I'm saying? This is what John is telling us this morning. Listen, we gotta be people that, we don't wanna blow our witness because we're defending some silly ideology that we have, that we think we own. We are to be citizens of heaven and represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords to this world. That's why we're still here. Do you know, do you know if God only saved us to get us to heaven? I think when we said the sinner's prayer, poof, we're out of here, because most of us blow it from the time we say the sinner's prayer till we get to heaven, right? No one said amen. Listen, it's not that. We're here to be a witness, to be a light, to show the world Jesus. And so John is challenging us, and he goes, hey, if you're not doing that, then you're a liar. Oh, and verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Oh, really? Jesus? Let me quote Jesus in John chapter 13. A new command I give you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I challenge you, read John 13, 14, 15 for homework. It's powerful. And it's interesting to me, the same John's writing here, and he's writing these same things, and he's saying, listen, I listened to him. I heard what he said. Now I'm passing it on to you, and we need to pass it on to others. But it's really hard to tell people that they need to love Jesus when you're all in their face being a jerk and telling them the rights you have. I was so bummed that day. Oh, and then I tried to do the Paul thing. Well, you know, Paul stood up for his rights. What a dork. You know, when Paul stood up for his rights, he ended up in Rome. 
locked up, so not a good idea. I want to represent Jesus well. I want to be a blessing to him, and I want to be a blessing to others. I don't want to be that person when people think of me, they think, eh, I don't want to be around him. And I would love to tell you every relationship I have is wonderful. And I don't ever blow it. I'm so kind, so compassionate, so genuine. I can barely do that with my wife for 50 years. I don't do, listen, if we're honest, we don't do that well. So let's try and be better. And the key is this, yield to the Holy Spirit of God. He is the one. God's not telling us to work something up. God is telling us to be something that he can make us. It's him who loves others through us. Now that doesn't mean we're just a hose. I know I use that term a lot. But listen here, we gotta be a little bit more active. And we gotta put energy into it. So let's do that. And let's change, listen, we can change the world. And this can be a better place because Jesus loves people and that's what we're supposed to do. Let's stand up and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge. And Lord, I know some of us, some of us are are better in this area than others. And it's always fun. We can look at one another and judge and put ourselves on a certain place. Or we can just look at you and know that we got a ways to go. Make us individually those people who are described here in this passage. And God, make us corporately the church here at Calvary Chapel. Make us that light to this world, this community, that we would draw people to you, not push people away from you. Be glorified in our lives. And God, I pray that we would be yielded to your spirit and we would allow you to move through us. I'm gonna ask you to stay in the attitude of prayer for just a couple more minutes here today and if you are here today, you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, haven't asked him to come into your life and change you, come into your heart, today's the day. Right now is the time. Right now is a challenge for you to take that step and take that step of faith and trust him. So to do that, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and it's gonna be a simple prayer. You're gonna admit to God that you know you're a sinner. Not for his information. You need to come to the place where you're gonna admit that. And then you need to realize that sin separates you from God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Death means separated from God. So you've earned by sinning the wrath of God for all of eternity. And you need to come to grips with that and be honest. And then you need to ask God to forgive you, not because of who you are, but because Jesus Christ went to the cross for you. When Jesus died physically, it wasn't just that physical death. 
It was the fact that he took the wrath of God. He was separated in that sense and took what you deserved, what I deserved upon himself in that moment, in that instant of time on that cross. And he paid a debt that you owe, that I owe, that we can't pay. And here today, right now, he holds out to you this receipt that says your debt's paid in full. All you have to do is take it from him. And so we're gonna do that by saying a prayer. And you say this prayer with me out loud. You can say it silently, but you gotta be, you gotta be sincere. It's gotta come from your heart. If you're backslidden this morning, man, come home. Come back to Jesus. I'm sure reading this chapter or this, these verses about love kind of hit your heart, and it's time for you to turn back toward him. If you're watching online, you can say the prayer where you're at. You don't have to be in this building. You can say it right at home. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And today I realize I need forgiveness. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And now I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Come into my life and guide me. Today, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.